This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast on a Thursday. December 28th, a couple of days removed from Christmas, a little later in the show, I'm going to bring you a Christmas dilemma on getting a gift that you really don't appreciate. But that's way down on the priority list for today's podcast, because we've got another Eagles game, and we know what the circumstances are. It's all clear. It's laid out for everybody who's an Eagle fan, who follows the Eagles nationally. The Eagles need to win their last two games. If they do... They are going to be the number two seed. They play the Cardinals this week. It should not be a problem. They are, what, a double-digit favorite in this game, just like they were last week. Uh, But here is the subplot of this game. I don't even know if it's a subplot, because I never really got that seriously into the Jonathan Gannon thing. Uh, I thought he was kind of a carpetbagger, and he came here, and he actually did have a pretty high-ranked defense. Uh, He was not an aggressive defensive coordinator, but here he comes back to Lincoln Financial Field as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. There are a lot of people that I hear out there go, wow, like Jonathan Gannon really changed the style. He's a lot more aggressive. And I'm going, yeah. The Cardinals have won three games this year. And I looked at the stats. They're ranked 27th on defense. They give up 363 yards a game. They're 12th against the pass. I guess that's good. But they're 32nd last in the league against the run. So I don't know where Jonathan Gannon is impressing anybody in Arizona. The question is, are the Arizona Cardinals good enough to come in here and upset the Eagles and upset the whole finish for what we think the Eagles are going to do? And that's a a prohibitive no. They're not going to be good enough. The only chance they have to win this game is that Kyler Murray goes off on an all-world tangent and they can't catch him and he runs for – uh, a couple touchdowns, and he, when he's running, he makes a great scramble throw for a touchdown. Like, all these unlikely things would have to happen for the Cardinals to come in here and upset the Philadelphia Eagles. So I, I have absolutely no worries that uh, the, the Eagles will win this game and will move on to the final game of the year, which also should be a win. And these last two games, as we talked about after the Monday night Christmas game, the last two games will give me a lot of information on how well this Eagle team is playing. Even though they're playing inferior opponents, you kind of know when a team is back-clicking. And so these last two games I'm looking at as, we'll see if they're back-clicking, because the only thing that matters to any of us is that whether they're a viable playoff run team. And by that, I mean, are they capable of getting to the NFC title game? I I don't expect that they're going to win that game, but getting there, to me, is in question. And it was never in question earlier. But we've seen these teams in the last couple of weeks, and we're going, now it's in question. They could lose to anybody. They could lose in the first round of the Rams. They could certainly lose in the second round of the Lions. But what they can't do is lose to the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants in the last two games and mess up their seeding for the playoffs. So let's look at the Cardinals. Um, 
All right, they beat Dallas the third game of the year. I don't know how they pulled that off, well, but they beat the Cowboys 28 to 16. They beat the Falcons the, after losing eight of nine. They had lost eight of nine, and then they beat the Steelers on a game that I had called, by the way. It's one of my picks on the Bet Rivers picks of the week, uh, 24 to 10. And then last week, they lost to the, uh, the surging uh, Bears of Chicago. Um, all right, so what do they have? We know what they have. They have yeah, okay receivers. They have Hollywood Brown. They have Rondale Moore. They have Trey McBride's a nice tight end. They have James Conner, eh, consistent player, but not a guy who's going to light you up. Uh, so what can they do uh, to beat the Eagles? Well, they would have to score a lot of points because their defense isn't very good, uh, which means the Eagles should be able to score points in this game. And they should be able to put a 35-piece on the Arizona Cardinals and win this game like 35-17, to 17, which is what I would expect to happen. And then we'll have the conversation after that game. Oh, are they right back to being the old Eagles? Now you got to temper that conversation by saying they just beat the Cardinals. But I know a lot of fans will go, they're back. And then they'll beat the Giants in the submission the last game of the year. And people will get really excited about their position in the playoffs. And we'll follow that as we go on. But again, even if they win these last two games, they're not going to be able to dazzle me enough because the opponent is inferior they're not going to be able to dazzle me enough to think that because they beat the Cardinals and the Giants in the last two games of the year, that all of a sudden they're a viable playoff contender and they're going to smite the Los Angeles Rams in the first round. And they're going to take care of the Detroit Lions in the second round, which will be a home game. And then they're just going to go to San Francisco and play a hell of a game and have a chance to get into the Super Bowl. Do I believe that's going to happen? No, I don't. And I don't know if uh, I see anything in these last two games that's going to convince me of that. So it's a week-to-week proposition for me. Once they get into the playoffs, if they look really good against the Rams, I'm going, okay, well, this is playoff pressure now, and they look good. It's not the Giants in the last game of the year. So maybe they have a chance to beat Detroit next week. And if they do that, I go, wow, that's pretty impressive, but they're still not going to beat the 49ers. So I hate to be a bitch for the people out there, but I just don't believe that something miraculous can happen where the Eagles would actually go to the Super Bowl. But that's beside the point. Um, let's look at um, what we have here with the Philadelphia Eagles and the uh, Cowboys. Now, last week, Cole Komet, the tight end for the Bears, had 107 yards against the Cardinals, which tells you that in the middle of their defense, not that good. So they have an advantage here with the tight end who can balance what they're going to do with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. So that's all good. This is why I think they can roll up a lot of points. They also can't stop the run. They did run up DeAndre Swift last week a lot more than they had been running him. They had 92 yards for him. You have to be an idiot to come into this game as the offensive coordinator and not make the run a priority against this team. Now we'll see what happens because normally what happens is somehow the Cardinals will score the first touchdown of the game and they'll start panicking and throw the ball instead of getting a well-balanced attack to get the ball up and down the field because you have plenty of time to beat this team, okay? You get down 7 nothing. it's not the end of the world. All right, so, um, and again, I said Carly, Kyler Murray has to go completely off. He, he's not reliable enough right now where you can say he's going to go off and beat the Eagles. So I, I'm, this is kind of like uh, an anti-climactic game for me. You know, Jonathan, it's not enough of a subplot for me to get jazzed up about this game, uh, I'm just looking at whether they can actually beat somebody in the submission, which would get us to the next step and say, well, maybe they've reclaimed the mojo. So let me bring in producer Darren here. 
Darren, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> St. Louis Cardinals. They should they should be playing in St. Louis. The Arizona Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals. You remember the uh, who was the quarterback? Jim Hart. Neil Lomax. Jim Hart. Leo, Leo, uh, Neil, Lomax. Uh, Neil Lomax. They had a kicker who kicked straight on back in the day. You're probably too young to remember. His name was yeah, Jim Bakken. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they're, at, they're in the Arizona Cardinals right now. What kind of a chance do you give them to beat the Eagles? <laughs> you know, on one side, I, I say uh, no game is a gimme right now with this team. But th- the Cardinals have nothing. I'm, I'm looking at their, their I was looking at their stats for the last couple of days, and they have there's nobody to prepare for. If you're a defensive coordinator, there's nobody that really scares you. Um, defensively or offensively, yeah, that's great. They give up a lot of uh, uh, yards to the tight end. The Eagles don't throw to the tight end anymore. They forgot about the tight end. They don't throw between the numbers. Well, he caught seven balls last week. Well, they don't throw between the numbers. Enough for me. They do it in spurts. Okay. They used Goddard last week, which was which was one of the reasons I like this game because I think they'll use him against this weak tight end defense. Yeah, I, they certainly should. The last time they played a team that was this bad against the – a tight end was the Rams, and Goddard had a huge game. Um, so, yeah, maybe they do go that route. Uh, Mike, look, they, there's nothing that they can do in these last two weeks to give me confidence because they're playing a couple tomato cans. And, you know, you're right about the Giants next week. They're going to have their, you know, their golf bags uh, in their car before that game even starts. So uh, there's nothing they could show. There's nothing, they could win this game 42-10 to 10 on Sunday. It won't impress me because this team is terrible. Kyler Murray is not even a good quarterback. He doesn't throw the ball well. He's not accurate. He can run around and scramble, and that's great. That's literally the only thing that they have to worry about on Sunday, this defense. This defense that can't get home to save their lives with the defensive line. So, yeah, they're going to win the game. They're going to cover the 10 and I think it's up to 10 and a half now. It opened at 9 and a half, went right up to 10 and a half. They're going to cover that number. They're going to beat them pretty handily because, you know, this is the worst team probably they're playing all season. But I'm not going to be impressed, and I'm not going to feel any more confident because, you know, again, there's too many things to fix on this team right now. By the way, I'm doing this podcast. I want you to check out this hoodie I have. I got for Christmas. Oh, that's dynamite. Old Spectrum. Dynamite. The old Spectrum. Uh, All right, so uh, I get what you're saying. Now let's, let's look at the quarterback here. Um, we're, we're, I don't know. Are we in denial? Jalen Hurts, I'm going to say it flat out. Jalen Hurts looks a little like a stunad these days. Uh, and last week, you, you can tell, like, when a guy doesn't make a heady play, like go out of bounds, he's not processing the situation. And if you're not processing the situation as a quarterback, you're a little stunad. Not to mention the fact that he's missing open receivers and locking in on certain guys. And we can look at, oh, you can isolate many plays. And the one that stands out, you had Devontae Smith wide open before A.J. Brown, who was past Devontae Smith. He didn't even look at Devontae Smith. He had his eyes zeroed in on A.J. Brown. He's been doing that a lot where he's missing guys that are open. DeAndre Swift in the flat. Devontae Smith, the underneath pattern with A.J. Brown, the deep pattern. He's not looking at that kind of thing. So I don't know what's happened to him. Uh, I don't want to get into a position where, where idiots, uh, national pundits go, he can't read defenses. That's BS because he read it last year. What is he scrambling with right now in his head? I don't know. But it's a telltale sign that when you don't make a fundamental play, that you don't know the circumstances of that play where you could easily go out of bounds and preserve your chance to score points, 
and somehow you turn it back in when you've got no timeouts left. And the only reason you get a chance to kick a field goal is because of a bonehead delay game penalty where the guy snatched the ball. I mean, that's just flat out dumb luck. If that guy doesn't do that, what are we talking about? One of the bonehead plays Jalen Hurts has ever made. But because they got the three, because they won the game, we we uh, skirt over it. But uh, he is not the quarterback that we saw last year. And uh, I don't know if he can get it back at this point. Now, he's had four straight games where his rating has been 90 or below. Now, that's not exceptional because we were used to seeing him uh, have, have really big quarterback ratings. Four games in a row, he's 90 or less. Uh, he has uh, – now, last week – he, he did throw for a, a, a good amount of yards. He had 301 last week. He did hit all three receivers, but he's also had two turnovers in three straight games. So, uh, I, listen, I don't know what to think of him right now. He's got two games to figure it out before they get in the playoffs. So I'll ask you, Darren, what is wrong with Jalen Hurts? Well, I, this is one thing I want to add, too. Like, the offense is a lot more, I hate to use this expression, dumbed down than last year. It's, it's far more simple than it was last year. Uh, and, and the fact that he's not seeing things and locking in on guys, I mean, there's just not a lot of confidence he has in what he's seeing. And that's that's a problem. And that, you know, when, a, when I see a quarterback who basically has the same personnel go backwards like that year over year, it's a coaching thing because he's probably being taught to look for for different things than he's used to and, and or maybe things that he doesn't like to, to look for. And I know that sounds like a lot of like vague speech, but like if he's at the line of scrimmage and he's expecting to see, he, he's expecting, if, if there's no pre-snap motion. There's not a whole lot of, you know, complicated scheme here. So he's going to his first guy without even looking through his progression. That's a, that's a, he's not being taught to do that. And, and he's being told to go to those routes. You don't just say after, you know, you don't just after you after a successful year, you don't just go. I'm not going to go through my progression anymore. I'm just going to go. No, he's being taught. That's where they want to throw the ball on that play. And you know, if I hear the offensive coordinator say one more time, we just got to get more explosive plays. No, that's not what you need. This team needs rhythm. I I sound like a broken record every week. They they make the same mistakes every week. Uh, and, and that's that's coaching, man. That's just unimaginative coaching. There's no scheme right now. All right. I don't know what's what. Uh, that's the only thing I think he's being coached wrong. That's the only thing I can tell you is is what's wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with him physically. His knee is fine. All right. One other thing in the Eagles' favor, because I hear a lot of people nationally go, "Oh my God, they gave up 25 points to the Giants. They didn't give up 25 points to the Giants." Come on, let's break it down. They, they, the Giants scored on a pick six and a 14-yard drive based on a turnover, and then they gave up the seven on the bomb to Slayton. All right, I'll give him that. But it wasn't like the Giants offense put up 25 points against the Eagles. So that's a misnomer. And I wish people would see this is the difference between national people who look at a final score and Eagle fans who live every snap. <laughs> you know, you can't say something like, Oh my God, the Eagles gave up 25 points to the Giants. They didn't come on. All right, let's move on to the Sixers. So, so basically I've got the Eagles winning 35, 17, and, and I'm not even sure that, that you know, like it might be 13 for the Cardinals. I don't even know if they can score 17 points. Uh, and then Gannon will limp out of here, and then, you know we'll move on to the next game. Are you seeing a final score like that? Yeah, it's this. It won't be close. I, I don't. I think even if the Eagles make mistakes like they made against the Giants, that the Cardinals w wouldn't even capitalize on them. 
So, yeah, I see a very similar score. It's going to be like 36 to 13. Uh, and I'm not going to feel good <laughs> about the team. All right. So, there we go. So, don't worry about this week. And don't worry about the. I don't even know why we're doing the podcast on the Eagles, frankly, for the next two weeks. They're going to be W's. The only thing that counts is the playoffs when they start it. Uh, but we're here to serve. All right. It is the Mike Missinelli Cop Podcast. It's brought to you by the great people of Bet Rivers. As you can see right behind me, uh, Bet Rivers. Uh, we got some great picks coming up in a little bit on the Bet Rivers app. Sixers, got to talk about the Sixers because they were on a Florida trip without Embiid. And last night they won their first game without Joel in the lineup as they beat the uh, Orlando Magic, an up and coming team. And I'm watching the game last night. And they go, you know, the Magic has surprised a lot of people. They've got a lot of good young players, but they're like, Still green bananas. You know, you're not completely ripe last night. And so the Sixers' depth wore them down a little bit last night. It was a good win for the Sixers without Embiid. Uh, the previous game wasn't so good because the Heat, without Jimmy Butler, beat the Sixers without Embiid. Uh, and they still hadn't had a win without Joel Embiid. And in that game, Jaime Hawkes. They're all excited about Jaime Hawkes down there in Miami at 31 against the Sixers. So they win one uh, last night. They, they lose one. Uh, and again, this is, again, we're, we're talking about the Sixers and the season that just goes on, and we have to learn more about them. Now, we're almost into the new year now, uh, and the Sixers think they have enough players to contend. Um, I, I think they got enough players to make it interesting. Their depth is a lot better than it has been in the past several years, but is good depth enough to beat a better starting team that you're going to face when you play Milwaukee and when you're going to play the uh, Boston Celtics, who are just tripping out right now. The Boston Celtics are a juggernaut right now. All right, so uh, we'll continue to follow the Sixers. The Sixers, interestingly enough, they don't get that that head headwind until the Eagles peter out. So uh, I th- I'm, I'm assuming the Eagles will peter out a little uh, earlier this year, and then we'll be in total Sixer mode. So Sixers, we're not shortchanging you right now. You're down in priority list. Uh, that's a shame, but that's the way it works. All right, it is time now for Mike Unleashed. Got a lot of interesting stuff for Mike Unleashed today. And of course, if you read Twitter yesterday, I am going to try to reenact my famous Bruce Springsteen "Santa Claus is Coming to Town" open, which we used to do uh, all the time during the holiday season. Uh, you hear the bells ring in the background as the intro for the song starts out and Bruce goes into his little soliloquy uh, before they actually start the song. I'm going to try to do that in podcast mode. It's not like being on the radio, so I don't know if there's going to be any kinks in here. What I'm going to do is play the song on my phone and imitate Bruce as he goes through the opening. And, of course, the first line is, Oh, it's so cold along the beach. All right, so we'll see how that works out a little bit. So let's stay with football. First uh, topic for Mike Unleashed. This was something that I think was uh, swept under the carpet. It should have got a lot more attention than it really did. Uh, If you remember the Seattle game, which was uh, really on a a, a short time ago for for when they played the Seattle Seahawks, as they were trying to come down the field on a drive that possibly could tie the game, you know what happened. Instead of going for a pattern of, say, gaining 15 more yards that would have put Elliott in a position for a game-tying field goal to send it in overtime, they decided to throw a longish ball to A.J. Brown. It's a bad call, right? You, you really you don't have to take a shot like that. You only need 15 yards. It's poor planning. 
But after the game, Sirianni, I think it was maybe even the next day, Sirianni said that the rationale for calling a play like that is that oftentimes they would be able to get a pass interference call. And I'm going, all right, listen, I'm not Newt Rockney. I'm not Vince Lombardi. You know, I'm not Paul Brown. I'm not one of these old school football guys. But I think I'm smart enough to think you just put a pass interference possibility over a pattern that would get you 15 yards for a first down and put your field goal kicker in the field goal position. That's what you sold the media. That's what you sold the fan base. That's absolutely idiotic. Now, am I out of bounds with this or not, Darren? No, not at all. I think you're de- you're absolutely right. He needed 12 yards to get in the field goal range. He says, "Well, we're looking there. Oftentimes, you get a pass interference." Well, yeah. If you're if you're like if you need 40 yards for a first down, then maybe you look for the pass interference penalty. This is what we talk about, Mike, about situational football. This team is not good at being aware of the situation at that point in the game. It's 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 they are a broken record. I sound like a broken record. You sound like a broken record. There's broken vinyl everywhere. <laughs> they make the uh, same mistakes. All right. I just thought uh, and, you know, normally. I mean, if I'm a columnist in this town. Yeah, that's that's like it's like food for a piranha for a guy like me. Like I, yeah. I, I, I would ridicule that like, like to the nth degree because it's just ridiculous i'm really amazed he thinks he can get away with saying that he did apparently he did get away with saying it all right so yeah yeah anyway let's move on to uh uh, more football here the eagles are complaining the offense is complaining that the noise at lincoln financial field is bothering them now uh, (laughs) let me just scratch my head here I get it. The fans can be a little over anxious and they were, they were screaming, uh, run the ball, all that kind of stuff. But are you kidding me? You seriously going to complain that the, your own home crowd was too loud for you to execute your offense. And he had to go to a silent count. <laughs> First of all, I don't think it could have been that loud. Second of all, so what? Like, what are you kidding me? That's good. Is that's an excuse for you not being able to move the football on offense because your crowd's too loud? These are a couple of things that I'm looking at myself now, and I'm going, "Am I crazy reacting this way about these things?" Do, do you remember a playoff game, Steelers and Broncos, when Bubby Brister was the backup, was the quarterback for the Steelers, and he was in Denver, trying. And Denver's loud, and he's trying to calm them down, like the road team. Like, are you serious? It's almost a similar fashion. You want your fans to quiet down on offense. You can't handle that. First of all, they're not that. They do die down a bit. And that's one of those things where I read and I thought I was taking crazy pills. doesn't make listen, any sense. Listen, I, I get it if you're at the goal line and you need you guys to hear the snap count clearly and you can't execute that play. When you're at midfield, you think the noise is too bad? Come on, fellas. Yeah. You, you're, you're messing with my intelligence here. All right, let's move on. This is an offbeat topic. I saw the Trump Christmas photo where the family posed. Now, one of the things that was obvious in this Christmas photo was that Melania Trump, the wife of one Donald Trump, 
was not in the photo. And I thought that was very peculiar because you remember the Godfather, even Michael Corleone drug his young girlfriend into the family photo for the wedding. I mean, she Kay had no business being in the photo. He was a gentleman enough to drag her in for the photo. Donald Trump doesn't have his wife there. All right. The word comes out that she was spending time with her ailing mother. Guess who else was in the photo? Her father. So her father didn't care that much about spending time with the ailing mother, but the daughter did. Like to me, <laughs> I don't, and listen, I got to come to a conclusion that she didn't really want to be in that family photo. Like she gave it a little cringe face. And that's my theory. And that's how I'm sticking to it. All right. Um, anyway, what also came out of that photo was how much Baron Trump, his son with um, the latest wife, um, Melania is a six foot seven and towers over Donald, who claimed he was six foot two. He's really not. Now, what do you think my first thought was, Darren, when I saw Baron Trump standing in that back line for the photo at six foot seven? He should be playing center for some uh, D3 school. <laughs> like, you're six, seven, you ain't playing no ball. I would have killed for three of your inches. Three. All I wanted was three of your inches. I would have been Pete Maravich. Six, seven, you ain't playing no ball. That's disgraceful. All right. We, we had a kid in high school who was like six, six. Had the athletic ability of a tire. I mean, he just was nut zero. But he played center for the basketball team. <laughs> Listen, if you're six seven, you're obligated to play some ball. A little bit. Just try it out, right? You play no ball and that that fancy private private school you go to, you could probably average twenty-five and ten at a private school like that with all these you know, little rich white kids. Come on, come on, Baron. Let's dig into it. All right. Let's move on. Number three. The Godfather 1 and The Godfather 2 is always played during the holiday season. Uh, it's a, you know kind of a ritual. They play The Godfather 1 and The Godfather 2. And every year I get sucked into watching it. And so this year, uh, thoughts came to my mind about how Italians hold grudges. Now you hear it, and if you're an Italian family, you know how Italians hold grudges. And I'm going, that movie exemplified like one of the longest grudges ever. Because Don Corleone, who came over as little Vito, who didn't know his butt from a hole in the ground, all of a sudden grows up to be a Don and waits almost 40 years to exact his revenge on Don Cheech. Now that's holding the grudge. The memory of an elephant Italians have. <laughs> you ever hear that Don expression? Don Cheech, I want to give you a blessing for Jenko uh, Olive Oil. <laughs> What's your name? Uh, Vito Andolini. And this is for you. And he cuts them up. And then they get out. And they get out of it. There's 100 guards there. They get out. I, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. All right. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, let me give you a little uh, Christmas little situation here with uh, an advice column I was reading about. And the advice column is uh, written by a woman named Carolyn Hacks of the Washington Post. It's like a Dear Abby thing, but she's been doing it. She's a little younger. She's been doing it for a really long time. And the dilemma uh, is this question. Each year for Christmas, my parents usually get each child slash married couple a substantial gift and small presents for any grandchildren. 
We live across the country from them right now. And when my mother called to ask what we might want, I had a hard time coming up with anything. So with nothing to go on but instinct, mom ended up sending us a beautiful handmade heirloom quality thingy. The only problem is we have, we have lots of these already. Uh, and so when we opened it up, my husband and I looked at each other and said, maybe we can exchange it for something we need. And the letter goes on and explain how that caused problems in the family. But I want to take this as a general topic. When you get a gift that you don't really appreciate, what is your reaction? Because I have a hard and fast rule about this. Well, I can tell you my rule what I do with my wife because I buy her clothes every once in a while. And I always say this. If you don't like it, take it back. Don't waste my mo- our money. So that's my rule. If you really don't like it, take that's it back. Different. And that's different. That's your wife. And you can say things like that to her. I'm talking right. about someone outside the family, maybe, and maybe an uncle who gives you a gift. My hard and fast rule is this. Right. You got to suck it up. That yeah. person put whatever thought they put into getting you that gift, however misguided it was, how it didn't click with your vibes is irrelevant. You have to respect the person that chose that gift for you. You can't exchange something and take something back. You can't. You got to suck it up, even if you don't ever display it or don't even wear it. You can't take it back. Hard and fast rule. It's just common courtesy for people. Even Ralphie with the rabbit cod, you know, that Aunt Claire gave him in a Christmas story. You got to hang on to it, right? You got to hang on to it. They put some time and effort into thinking maybe they didn't know enough that that wouldn't work with you. But you can't just like, come on, you got to suck it up. You got to respect the other person giving you the gifts. It's not about you receiving the gift. It's about the person who gives the gift. They gave you that for a certain reason. They gave it to you thinking that it would work for you. So if you take it back, you're just like destroying whatever connection you have with that person. It's not right. All right. It's a good policy. See, I go for it. These are the big issues that I tackle here on the Mike Missnelli podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. All right, let's move on here. Uh, there was a story of Allen Iverson wanting to rejoin the Sixers organization. He was on a podcast with Rachel Nichols. And uh, he, he says that he wants, a, uh, he wants to rejoin the Sixers organization. So I got in touch with some Sixer people yesterday. I said, wait a minute. He's part of the organization as an ambassador, isn't he? Like he, uh, his, his role right now is to show up whenever and he visits people in the suites or season ticket holders who at halftime and all that kind of thing. That's the role. And I said, when did he lose that role? Cause he was talking like he lost that role with the Sixers and now he wants back in to be an advisor of some sort. So I checked with some Sixer people, and they said to me, quote, I don't know what he's talking about. We just signed a new, new contract to be an ambassador. <laughs> so, but I, I think Allen wants a bigger role where he advises players. And I'm sure the Sixers are reluctant to give him that kind of role. See, when you give a guy a role like he's an ambassador and he can show up and greet season ticket holders or go in suites and kiss babies or whatever, when he doesn't show, it's not that big of a deal. When he doesn't show in an advisory role for players, it is a big deal. And we know by now that he's got this flimsy kind of fiber that if he doesn't want to show up somewhere, he doesn't show up. So whatever he says to me, it's like, come on, Alan, 
you, they know your track record. They can't risk giving you a role. He said he wanted a role like Tim Hardaway, uh, like these these people who really advise players on do the right thing in certain organizations. That's not a good role for him, is it? No, not with his track record. I mean, that's that's especially if the player's young, he's really going to have an influence on him because every young player looks up to Allen Iverson. And if you, if you, if you were going to show a bad work ethic to a young cat, it's, it's only going to hurt be detrimental. All right. Uh, last thing for Mike Unleashed. I have an upstairs bathroom that I really like. It's like a walk-in shower. It's got a, it's got a big seat on it. It's roomy. It's got two shower heads. It's got a glass door. You walk in. It takes forever from the hot water, where my hot water is in the basement, to get all the way up to the top. The hot water won't run until at least seven minutes in. A, I hate to waste water like that, and you have to wait seven minutes for the water to get hot. You stand outside like a, a like a chooch. Um, you're naked, and you're like, when's the water going to get hot? The, the whole bit. Uh, and so I'm thinking, like, these ideas come to my head. Like, why, when you install a shower if you're a contractor, would you not have a reservoir of hot water that is constantly heated that would last, seven, like, right away, hot water would come out? It's not like you're going to burn a lot of electricity because you're only heating a small tank of water. So as soon as you turn the shower on, the water, the heated water in that reservoir, which is behind the tile of your shower, would kick in before the water that would come from your hot water heater from the basement all the way up to the top. Is this well, a great idea or what? It's a good idea, but here's just one thing. I'll, uh, I know a little bit about this because we just did some work in, our, in my kid's bathroom. So up to like 15 years ago, the, the, the code was different. Like now you have to have a section behind your shower for you know a doorway for your access door to go in and work on everything. But your house, you have an old home in, you know, in, in your I don't have an old home. It's a brand new home. How, it's how a brand new, it's a new construction that was built, on, built onto an old foundation. Okay. So I have, okay. I have all new modern pipes and stuff like that. And, and the whole, okay. you know, the board I have, this is all modern stuff. It just takes then a long time for the hot water to get up to the second floor. Yeah. Well, maybe there is code there. For, the code is there for the room there for, um, you know, for their like an access area to put that in, but not every home has that. Like I'm saying, like before, like it's a brand years, new, it's a brand new construction, like second floor. Yeah, I'm just telling you, I'm, like well, I'm years, telling you, it's a brand new construction, second floor. So why would it, when you build these days, why wouldn't right. you have a reservoir behind the wall of your shower that would the water would come out first? Hot. You could if you have a newer home, then yes, you could. I'll give you a trick though: turn the hot water on on your sink. And let it come up. Let it pull the water up on your sink. You use less water. You're missing my point totally. I get it. I'm e either way, it's still going to take a long time for the hot water to get to your shower. I'm trying to cut that point out. If you have the room to put it, yeah, it's a great idea. Well, I'm saying, why don't they put that in when they build the thing? I mean, take all of a sudden taking the contractor side here. <laughs> the hell is that you're what are you mr contractor oh, well, all right then let's you really want to get into this you want to do this now we'll do this now let's talk about this so you want to put a reservoir behind the drain in your shower 
Does that not that the drain behind the wall that. where the pipe is, wh- right. where the water is connecting, where it's coming up from the hot water heater? It's a different system that's connected okay. to the shower that triggers first. So that you're going to have to have that almost like a mini hot water heater behind. You exactly. That's okay. what I'm talking about. All right, that's not a bad idea. So why are you trying to poke holes in it? I'm- <laughs> It's a brilliant idea. You should be saying, God damn, Mike, you're ahead of the game. Well, because I'm just trying to imagine how much room is really You always take there. the other side. You always take the contrary side. Instead of oh, saying, you know what? Your no, idea is brilliant. What? Your idea is brilliant. Instead, you got you to find out a way to poo-poo it. It's a brilliant <laughs> idea. Just say, you know what, Mike? I, you got me. It's, it's a brilliant it's idea. Good, it's a good idea. I, it, you know, it's a long walk to the beach there, but it's a good uh, idea. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's save the best for last here to see if I can pull this off. Bruce Springsteen. Now, Darren, for the record, Darren is the ultimate Bruce Springsteen fan. He goes with his little posse of people to almost every Bruce Springsteen concert. This is it's kind of weird from, from my standpoint, but apparently these guys that hang together, the Bruceophiles, don't think it's weird. So here's the posse that is led by Darren that go to all these Bruce Springsteen concerts. It's Darren. It's Johnny Sunshine, John Clark. It's former radio guy, Brian Startari, and former TV anchor, Steve Bucci. Yes. These four hang on each other's, uh, you know, winky, and they they, they walk into the concert. (laughs) It's like they're called, Dicks Are Us, they're called, the the, the crew. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> every Bruce Springsteen concert. Now, I was a Springsteen guy back in the day. Like, when he first started out, it was so different. Uh, you know, Greetings, Raspberry Park, New Jersey, the first album, and then the Wild, the Innocent, East Street Shuffle, the second album before he got the Born to Run. But one of the famous things I used to do on the radio is, because uh, I used to really uh, uh, laugh at this, uh, because he would do this Santa Claus is Coming to Town um, song, but he would he'd have a soliloquy at the start of the song. And so uh, I, I, was, uh, I would do an imitation of that whole thing. So let's see if we can get this up now. Hold on a second. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, you hear it? All right, here we go. Here's Bruce. I got you. I'll hold along the beach. Oh, winds whipping down the boardwalk. Hey, band. Yeah. Do you guys know what time it is? What time? Huh? Huh? What? What? Oh, Christmas time. You guys, you guys all been good and passing real hard? Yeah? Clarence, you've been rehearsing real hard now, so Santa bring you new saxophone, right? Buddy been out there, been good or what? Oh, that's not many, not many. You got in trouble out here. Oh, you better not doubt. Better not doubt. <laughs> right, that's the best I can do on the podcast, folks. Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, <laughs> you got a little right, Travolta in your Bruce, you know. Hey, hey, Clarence. Hey, Clarence. You've been you've been rehearsing real hard, so Santa bring you new saxophone. <laughs> All right, there you go. By 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 personal request, there you go. Santa Claus is coming to town by Bruce Springsteen. All right, let's move on now with the Mike Vaselli podcast for our 
picks of the week, and then we'll close it down. Our picks of the week, I actually have a college play. All right. Uh, my picks of the week, I'm going to go with the Cotton Bowl. Ohio State, without their starting quarterback, started out as a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Missouri. It is now down to plus three. Oh, I'm smelling Mizzou outright in the Cotton Bowl. All right, let's move on to the NFL. Uh, I'm taking uh, these two games based on one team being so much better than the other and uh, the other on a, a bounce-back week. Uh, the Lions are in Dallas. Now, the Lions are pretty damn good, right? They've established themselves as a pretty good team at the, what they did last week. They're a six-and-a-half-point underdog in Dallas. Well, I got to think the Cowboys want to come back and erase the memories of that bad game of theirs last week. I'm going to take the Cowboys minus six-and-a-half, and I'm going to take the Rams – who are finding their way into the playoffs against the lousy New York Giants. It almost seems like a gift. The Rams minus four and a half at the Giants, where they're going to start Tyrod Taylor and probably pull him at halftime and put in uh, uh, Tommy Cutlets in that game. Uh, also, other games you want to look at, I think the, the Jacksonville Jaguars at minus six and a half versus the lousy Panthers is a good way to go. The Dolphins and the Ravens. Dolphins are plus three and a half at the Ravens. I don't. I would stay away from that game. That's too close to call. What do you got, Darren? I got two games for you. Uh, the Bucks are playing pretty well right now, uh, and the Saints are just a brutal team. Uh, any good players they have are in are injured reserve. Uh, Tampa's only uh, get, only has to cover two and a half in New Orleans. I'm going to take the Bucks minus two and a half at the Saints. And the other game, I think Minnesota's starting like their third or fourth string quarterback. Some guy I'd never heard his name before. Packers minus one at Minnesota. In fact, that's the eight. That's the eight thirty game Sunday night. There's no Monday night game this week because of was that New Year's Day or New, all the bowl games. So yeah, so no Packers are minus one. So Packers won at Minnesota. Um, Bucks minus two and a half at home. Sorry against the Saints and. Packers uh, minus one at mini. All right. You got it. Time for three questions from Mikey Miss before we close it down on the Mike Miss podcast for today. What do you got, Darren? All right. Three questions from Mikey Miss. First question, Mike. Have you ever had a New Year's resolution that you actually saw through? I don't make New Year's resolutions. I, it's a waste of time. <laughs> it really is. If I like, but if yeah, I want right. to make a resolution, I, I don't need to wait till New Year's to do it. I know what I what I want to do. That's I, I haven't been doing it in the past. So uh, I'll make a resolution in the middle of the summer if it if it comes to that. I don't do New Year's resolutions. Sorry, it's not my style. Okay. Right, that's fine. Fair enough. Uh, do you do New was, Year's resolutions? Uh, not really. It's always like physical, get in the gym more and work on my mental health. That's you know, that's it. like a hundred, 99% of all the people will say that. Well, I got to get in better shape and they never do. So why make a resolution? Yeah. I mean, I don't like, as far as like my weight hasn't, I've been between 192 and 198 for the last 15 years. I'm not a guy whose weight fluctuates a lot. So, um, all right. So the other day I was flipping around a lot of a couple eighties movies were on. Mike, give me a, give me your favorite eighties movie. Do you have one or one that you like? Well, uh, I I liked Sixteen Candles. I know is that an eighties movie? Yeah, oh, definitely. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I like Sixteen Candles. Was was uh, pretty well done. I thought Molly Ringwald back in the day. Yeah, with uh, with Jake, Jake, where he's under the coffee table. <laughs> Michael Michael Anthony Hall was cute back then. He turned into a ghoul looking actor. <laughs> yeah, he is. I, I yeah, like when he goes. There's two nerds he's hanging out with. One of them is John Cusack, and he goes. 
He gives him a little smack on the cheek. You guys are pissing me off. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall with the line in that movie. Uh, Can I borrow your underpants for 15 minutes? <laughs> Would you take those ridiculous things off? <laughs> Where did jock straps on their face? All right. Yeah. That's question number two. Question number three. Mike, what'd you get for Christmas? Uh, my daughter gave me three lovely portraits, framed portraits of uh, her wedding with uh, oh, me nice. walking her down the aisle, uh, her with me and her with her husband. So that's, that, that's like a sentimental present that uh, that she gave me, which I appreciate a lot. They're beautiful those black the- and white. They're like, you know, they're, they're they're that they're set off like that. It was really cool. Uh, those are the greatest gifts. They really are. Yes. And that's three questions for Mikey. All righty, that's three questions, and that's time for us to end the Mike Masnelli podcast for today. Again, Eagles and Arizona Cardinals, don't sweat it. It's a double-digit cover win for the Philadelphia Eagles, and then we move on to the final game of the year, and then we judge on how worthy they are for a playoff run. You can reach me uh, email-wise, mike at mikemiss.com. You can check me out on Twitter at mikemiss25. Don't forget to look into uh, Natalie Vineyards, the, my my vineyard in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey. If you're looking for some bottles of wine for the New Year's, if you're down in that area, grab some reds and whites. We want to tell you, our, our vintner is winning a lot of awards for the wines we're producing down there. We're very proud of it uh, right now. Uh, and also, if you need a cameo shout-out, just go to cameo.com. I'll give you a personalized shout-out. And uh, I put a lot of effort into it, so. Uh, Have a great weekend, everybody. We will uh, talk to you on Monday with our post-Eagles game report on the Mike Masnelli podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Masnelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.